You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What's Up Broadway. I'm your host, Ayanna Prescott, and back this week with me is my co-host, Martine. What's up, Martine? What have you been up to? Hey, I've been planning and seeing what shows I'm going to see later this month. So far, what's on the agenda? So I am already, I already have tickets for Sleep No More, which I am excited for because I'm not an immersive theater person, but I've heard very good things about this show. I just bought my MJ tickets, um, which is going to be mind-blowing and more after hearing you and all the team talking about it. So I'm super excited. And um, I'm also seeing the Disney exhibit at the Met. And I am open to suggestions. So friends, fans, listeners, hit me on Twitter, Instagram with Rex, because I will try to see as many shows as I can. Well, I have a few plus ones, so we'll have to talk after that. Ooh, um, yes. And maybe we can <laughs> tag along. But MJ, the musical. Mind-blowing. <laughs> I think we need a sound effect here, like, <laughs> or something. <laughs> By the time this comes out, the show would have already opened, so I'm allowed to talk about it. I won't say what my review is extremely mm-hmm. emotional. It's actually the first review that ever made me cry while writing it. Um, and But other than that, you can read that it's coming out on New York Theatre Guide. Other than that, the show is brilliant. It is everything a biomusical should be. Um, I am not a fan of the jukebox musical. I think beautiful was great and that was like the last innovative show that innovative bio musical that we've had um but mj is on like another level and i hope (laughs) that everyone can get a chance to see this show um i have no ties to this show i'm not selling it it's just the way I can, whenever I go to a show and it makes me feel something deep down in my spirit, the last show that did that for me was Town. And when I can feel something like so deep that it moves me, that I need to see it again, just to make sure that it moves me the way that it did. Those are the shows that I always want to speak highly of. And MJ did that for me. So if you're listening, pause this recording and get your (laughs) ticket and come right back. Um, (laughs) On that note, let's get into some Broadway breaking news. 
Speaking of MJ the Musical, now open on Broadway, they're celebrating their opening and Black History Month with the team of Playbill. They have collaborated to release a four collectible Playbill covers. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> that um, means we have to go four times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I've already been twice, so I think I deserve like another cover just off a of GP. But anyways, the Playbills will be distributed to ticket holders throughout the month of February at the Neil Simon Theater. These collectible Playbills, each featuring a different illustration of an iconic Michael Jackson pose by world-renowned illustrator Nate Giorgio, mark the musical's opening and celebrate Black History Month. So again, like Martine said, that means you have to go for a time <laughs> if you really want all the covers. The original Broadway cast album of the Lincoln Center Theater production of Flying Over Sunset will now be released digitally February 18th this year and on CD April 1st. I know Twitter went ablaze mm-hmm. when we were, we were all like, where's the album? It didn't <laughs> land. Um, and Flying Over Sunset social media account was very honest and said, hey, we have, here's a little tease, but we had to push back. Yeah. But we're all looking forward to that album, so cannot wait. But on other news, the Broadway premiere of Martin McDonough's new comedy, Hangman, will open at Broadway's Golden Theater for a limited 10-week engagement. The play will begin performances on February 8th this year with an opening Thursday, April 21st. Two-time Tony winner Chita Rivera is recapping her Broadway career for Harper One, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers, which announced her memoir today. The book publication release date said for early 2023, and the title is still to be determined. This will also be published simultaneously by Harper Español. So... Rivera will be writing with Emmy-winning TV commentator and arts journalist Patrick Pacheco, which, wow, it's it's going to be an amazing memoir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I'll, I'll be here for it. <laughs> <laughs> According to a new casting notice, auditions are currently underway for a Broadway transfer for Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. The production is currently aiming to begin its New York run in the fall of 2022 at a yet-to-be-named theater. So, drum roll for that. You're excited <laughs> for this show, right? I'm excited about any ALW pr- production. <laughs> Honestly, like, just... I mean, give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make a I'll I'll make a thought after, but give it to me. <laughs> yeah. And Broadway's longest running show made history on the anniversary of its opening in New York City. Last Wednesday night marked 34 years since the Phantom of the Opera first opened back in 1988. And for the first time, a Black actor, Emily Quachu, took over the female role of Christine Dayer. And that is mind-blowing. We all know the talent of Emily, so it's just so heartwarming to see her shine in this role. And Phantom dropped a trailer, just in case you didn't see her yet or can't see her because you live somewhere else. But Phantom dropped a new trailer, anniversary trailer, which I want to say is pretty freaking huge because they usually productions don't drop new trailers for Mm -hmm. like replacement cast. And so this is very huge for Emily, but she sounds 
like perfection. The Broadway revival of For Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough will now begin performances on April 1st, one month later than originally scheduled. Opening night at the Booth Theater is now scheduled for April 20th, producer said last Tuesday. The production was previously scheduled to start previews on March 4th, ahead of a March 24th opening. The Little Prince will begin previews at the Broadway Theater one month later than initially scheduled also. The show will now begin previews on March 29th and open on April 11th. The change allows the production more time to bring in its international company to New York City and deal with the related challenges of doing so during a pandemic, according to the production. The Little Prince was originally scheduled to start performances on March 4th, ahead of an opening night on March 17th. So in short, don't schedule an opening for March 4th because both for Colored Girls and Little Prince were supposed to start on that date and have both moved a month back. So I don't know what's up with that date, but don't (laughs) schedule a show to open. (laughs) So happy opening to MG the Musical to Intimate Apparel and Skeleton Crew. This week, we have a special interview from the great Kelly O'Hara. She currently stars in The Gilded Age on HBO Max. So listen in. The first question, how does it feel to be on a show with other Broadway belters, but no one is singing? It actually feels like, it feels like a great cosmic joke that we're all playing. And it's sort of, We sort of love it that we're not singing because, you know, we as performers want to try to do all sorts of different things. And, you know, I sing all the time. I'm singing tonight in a concert. It's nice to do something where that's not always part of the, um, you know, part of that. That's not always on the menu. You know, it's just muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Relatedly. So this is, I think, probably record breaking most Tony winners nominated people in a single TV show. Is there anyone that you've like always wanted to work with on stage that now you're somehow in a TV show with not singing? <laughs> uh, well, gosh, oh, my goodness. That's a hard question because I feel like everyone on that show, <laughs> I've probably said, oh, I, I hope I can work. I love the fact that I'm doing a scene with Christine Baranski randomly mm. at one moment, you know, or Cynthia Nixon or, or Donna Murphy or Nathan Lane or, you know, um, and even being on the set with really close friends like Celia Keenan-Bolger and, you know, that, that's been extraordinary. It's almost like we all just called up and said, what would be really fun? Let's all just get together and play, you know, play fantasy land. And then we showed up. It was really great. Yeah, I've really been, uh, after that first episode, I'm just waiting for you and Donna Murphy to have a scene together and get my, like, great King and I reunion moment. (laughs) Who was the most fun on set? Carrie Coon is a hoot. She is a hoot. She plays Bertha Russell. And I mean, she is a hoot. She'll just go, you know, hey, we need more cheese. You know, like, uh, you have to remember she was... uh, all the way up to eight months pregnant while we were shooting this show. Wow. So she was constant. Anytime we were had a, a, a meal, she would eat. You know, usually you kind of pick at it because you, you have to maintain the continuity. She'd just eat the whole plate and they'd bring her a new one. And then she'd eat that whole plate and then they'd bring her a new one. So she was hysterical and just because she was growing a person inside. But she was also really professional. You know, let's mm-hmm. get her done. Let's go. Here's what we mm-hmm. need. You know, very. 
but but really funny, always telling a joke and and then randomly before a scene going, ah! Voice. <laughs> and everyone around would just sort of jump, you know. <laughs> so uh, super topical to eating. Uh, you've done a lot of period pieces. What is it? What was it like getting back in your corset after many, many times and King and I here having to lay up again? <laughs> that is very topical to eating. You're right. <laughs> those corsets make it make it very difficult. Um, I, it felt very much. I was very much at home, obviously, putting on a corset. I've known corsets much more intimately than I've ever wanted to, but I've been wearing them for 20 years plus. Um, but there were days, you know, on a television set, as you can imagine, that there was one day that I was not smart, and I kept thinking I was about to go, and I think I wore the corset for 16 hours. And the next morning, I thought that I had some bruised ribs. Yeah, ow. <laughs> but, but it turned out I was just sore. And I got smart, and after that, I took corset breaks along the day, all day. Well, talking about the corset, um, what I love most about Gilded Age are these scenes with elaborate uh, table setting of food. Is the, is the food real, first of all? And did you guys snack if it was real? So the, the, the big showing of the big party with all the food, that was a combination of real and fake, and we definitely mm. went in and looked at all of it and I I'm telling you just the artistry like I I would lean in to try to figure out what was fake what was real <laughs> all in between you know like you know the lobster was probably fake but then everything around it was real so but when we ate the food was always real um, and it was always delicious it was always sourced from some beautiful you know place nearby like cheeses and things and fruits wow. and pastries and so I, they, they did it right. And we had huge lessons. We had cotillion lessons on what fork and, you know, oh my God. all that stuff. So it was pretty crazy. I love that. The costume designer in me is kind of like dying at the idea of you all having to eat so much in these costumes. <laughs> but I love that you all were like trained on the right way to eat with all of that. So you have a lot of the cast, but you have like so much experience in these like giant period gowns. You poke it in that Catherine Zuber gown eight times a week for years. Did this feel less cumbersome than what you're used to because it's a little smaller or was this just like not too big of a deal? It, oh, it's much easier than, than the King and I, obviously. I mean, the King and I was also sized up for stage. You know, it was probably a percentage larger than what would have been real. Um, but it was also 20 years prior that era. So I've been in this era before in the Gilded Age, era, the 1880s, 90s. Um, it is a much thinner skirt. You know, there is a bustle, but the bustle's not as big. Um, the corset is the same tightness. So um, I would say that these were easier, but still cumbersome in their own their own ways. You know, gloves, all of that sort of stuff is very... I often say it's very useful when you're trying to play in that era a confined woman to be mm. put in a corset and a hoop skirt of any size sort of is a symbol of how women were expected to move around the world, which was to be confined and to be um, limited. Mm -hmm. Having that, all that constricting costume really just like keeps you in character. So you just have to have that <laughs> posture at all times. <laughs> Telling you, and for someone who really doesn't in real life, like it, I need it. It's sort of my final, my final collaborator when I'm about to play any of those roles is putting that costume on, and then you sort of know who you are in a way. 
And you're no stranger to the period piece, but how did you in particular prepare yourself to play Aurora? You know, I liked her immediately because um, she's one of the very few characters who sort of uh, tiptoes in both worlds. Mm. You'll, you'll see um, it's not there yet, but I really liked that a lot. And so I, um, I sort of knew how to play the, the old money. That's, that's the role that I've played, I feel like in my life, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of proper old money thing. And I was very excited to know that there might be a little bit of something underneath that for Aurora, because I wanted, I, and I want to go farther with that. You know, I want to mm -hmm. dig into that deeper. There's a line that she has, it's very small, but it meant a lot to me that she says to Marion, which is, does any of this really matter? And, you know, I don't think a woman of that time, of course it mattered. It was their mm -hmm. life. And to us in, in 2022, it's like, no, hell no, it doesn't. <laughs> but, but at the time they did, and the fact that she, he allows her to say that in the writing, um, I, I hung on to, you know, I picked up mm -hmm. on that and like, I, I attached my, my whole thing to it, you know, because I want, I want there to be someone who's, who's either at least contemplating or thinking about the ways things could be different a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, even though she plays a good game in the old money sort of snobbery, she really does. Mm. She does. I love how she, she really knows how to work everyone. And like you said, like she's really working both sides here. I wanted to ask a little bit about, I don't know how much you can actually talk about it, but a little about the casting process for the show, just because the show has like a massive list of amazing female characters mm -hmm. and an equally amazing list of, female actresses on the show and I was just wondering like did they approach you and they're like we love you for Aurora or was it like we're gonna try out all of these amazing women for a ton of different roles and see what fits best and do different combinations you know I think that did there was a lot of that I know by the time I was cast in November of 19 and um there was a lot of casting still yet to be done but they had done quite a bit of it and when I went in I, I went in for Aurora uh specifically um I don't, but I remember Michael Engler, the director, saying to me at one point, "You came in for such and such other, right? 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 Didn't you?" And I, I said, "No, I didn't." And I think it's because there must have been so much conversation about who should play who. And I, I know that there were roles that were um, meant for this person, but then then this person ended up playing it, or someone came in for this, but then ended up reading in such a way that they made her this, you know, so there was a lot of discovery going on in the beginning. And, um, it, it is, I mean, I definitely had to go in and audition for it. And when I auditioned and I won't name names, but it was one of those projects right there next to me were like the kind of ladies who, you know, should have also gotten the job. You know, it was really neat to sort of know that we all, we all, we all thought this was an intriguing project to be a part of. Um, so I, I feel really lucky and, and grateful that I'm that I'm here. And if you weren't playing Aurora, who else would you want to play? There's so many wonderful worlds in this show. Yes, of course. I mean, I think I'd probably want to at this point in my life. Um, that's why I'm so I'm I'm urging them to make Aurora, you know, spicy and better. <laughs> toward I, I think I would have been most in, attracted to to Bertha Russell. Mm. You know? someone who's trying to, um, you know, I felt a little bit of that way, even moving to New York when I was younger, I moved from, you know, Oklahoma, not knowing a lot, you think, well, how do I work my way into something that's already seems established, you know, and, 
and you got to be gritty and you got to be, um, you know, creative. And, and I find that more interesting than upholding something that's been the same for so, so long. I mean, I think there are a lot of themes in this that, that are representative of, of, of other things. Mm-hmm. And at this point in my life, I would be more attracted to that, you know, to, to trying to, to, again, I say buck the system a little bit and, and make things, maybe, maybe people change their minds, you know, mm-hmm. or help them to. Absolutely. And yeah, that is such a really great role. Uh, so just for my like last question here, just wanted to hear a little about what the rehearsal process was for this show. It seems like there's just so many moving parts here. There's such a huge cast, giant sets, tons of like really big group scenes. So just wanted mm-hmm. to hear what that was like for all of you. Well, you know, those are incredibly, uh, like you said, they're, they're big, they're massive. And to just get it all together, to get us all in Newport, to get us all... <laughs> you know, choreographed and, and ready to shoot something. Uh, it, it takes so much time and effort on so many people's part. And I was really, really amazed um, by that organization. You know, um, the company, you had the choreographer, you had, you had the, the people running those things, you had the schedules to, to get mm-hmm. all of these particular performers in line. I mean, I think a pandemic helped in a way because a lot of us were sort of you know, twiddling, <laughs> quite as busy. Although, you know, our leads were both shooting, they were both leads on other huge shows at the time. So there were, um, there were those issues too. They, they made it work. And, uh, and even in the moment, you, you could see how extraordinary, extraordinary it was to look around and say, we're all here and we made this happen at the same time and we're ready and we got ourselves, you know, rehearsed. And um, that was pretty fun to see because I knew that, that people had to be pretty organized to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the in the trailers, there's definitely a a great shot of what looks like a really gorgeous ball with a lot of ballroom dancing. Are we going to get to see you doing some more dancing on the show? Uh, yeah, well, I won't speak too much about what that is, but uh, <laughs> and, and that was the moment when I felt like oh, we're all doing this is home for us. You know, when I looked there's Donna Murphy and Nathan Lane and there's, you know, I'm like, we're, we're used to this part, you know, all yeah. of us, uh, choreographing something and then putting it together to time. And, and there were a lot of, um, great Broadway dancers there filling out the room. And so that was a really fun day because it felt, it very, it did feel very theatrical in a way. Yeah. It mm-hmm. felt like on a lot of TV shows when they have to dance, it's like, Oh, this is going to be the really hard day. And for you, it was all probably a very familiar day. <laughs> That's exactly how it felt. Yeah. And it would be remiss of us not to ask, because we are What's Up Broadway. Um, Your last role on Broadway was Kiss Me Kate. What's a role that would bring you back to Broadway that you feel would challenge you, but you would want to do? Well, you know, um, I mean, there's other, there are roles that, uh, that have, that have, of classics that I'd love to, to see done too, but, um, I've been working on with Adam Gettle and Craig Lucas, who wrote Light in the Piazza. I've been working on a version of Days of Wine and Roses mm-hmm. um, with with uh, Brian Darcy James and Michael Greif directing, and that's been interesting. We'll see what happens with that um, if it comes to a Broadway house or a smaller one. Um, I would I would love the opportunity to do another Sondheim at some point. You know, um, something unexpected maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so we'll see. We'll see. And I, 
obviously Sweeney, that would be fantastic. Um, I did dream cast you in Titanic. So I don't know if Titanic will ever get a revival, but that's one of my favorite yeah, shows. Should. I think that <laughs> should. It should, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No well, we loved having Kelly on the show. We appreciate her time. And if you are watching The Gilded Age and gagging over all the Tony Award nominees and winners that are collectively on one show like I am, and I'm sure Martine is, yeah. really, really continue watching it. It gets better. The costumes get better. The scene changes get better. I don't know how, but they do. Let's get into some theater socials. So over on theater socials, Music Man not inviting critics to the show before opening has taken over theater Twitter for a few days now. What are your thoughts on it? I am not a critic, um, but as an outsider to that part, I think it's a little bit rude. Um, that is all I'm going to say because I want your thoughts and I want Christian's thoughts on this. Yeah. Because you both write for a living. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like at a loss of words for this. So I need to know your thoughts about what is going on at Music Man. I'm like in the middle. I'm like, there are the old days where critics used to go on opening nights. Mm -hmm. That's why they put critics on the aisle so that they can, as soon as the show ends, they run out of the theater, get to writing their review, and it goes up at a certain time. Um, and then after the show at the parties, you know, the producers would read the reviews collectively. Now, because there are so many shows opening, usually press producers try to get critics in after the show is sealed, usually the last week of previews to see the show, um, really experience it as it should be, as it's finalized and have a few days to gather their thoughts and write before the show opens so that they have something sustainable for when for opening night. So for me, it's like getting back to the old days, but it's also like, yikes, because Music Man is such a show that you need the time. So mm -hmm. I can see for like a 90 minute play, no intermission, doing something like that. But Music Man, you're going to have to really digest it. And it's kind of like, I, like, I don't know what the thought process behind it. Is it, do they not want reviews on opening night or um, do they not really care? 
But I know that there are going to be critics that pay for their own ticket or their outlet will pay for a ticket for them to go beforehand anyway, Mm -hmm. so that they have the opening night review. I don't know. Like, I'm on the fence about it. I I think Music Man is one of those shows that you need the time to write. But then it's like, oh, my God, the rush of having to go home and 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 write a review or go to like, well, in this case, they're going to have to go to like the nearest Starbucks or something and write the review. (laughs) I I can't wait. I'll bring this up next week with Christian because I know that they have. Tune in next week. Tune in. Listen to to Christian's thoughts about this. (laughs) To be continued. To be continued. Um, On that note, let's get into some fan Q&A. Over on theater socials, we asked about favorite bio musicals since we're, you know, all talking about it. it's all the rave now. Bio musicals, jukebox musicals. What are your favorite or favorites, Martine? Okay, I have to say that I do love jukebox musicals. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Unpopular opinion, I love them. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. But for a bio musical, I am not that experienced on them. I've listened, obviously, to cast recordings from Tina, Chair. I'm expecting the MJ cast recording because hashtag Broadway arrangements of songs. I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would guess my all-time favorite is Jersey Boys. Just because mm. I love the sound of Frankie Valli's voice or the actor performing uh, Frankie Valli. Like, Jamie. I do love it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, Let me I, find I love out Jersey Martin Boys. Can sing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, like um, Jersey Boys is one of my best. What's and yours? Jersey Boys has obviously Jersey Boys has a fandom because they've been. It's like one of the longest running yeah. uh, bio musicals to date, and it's still traveling and touring mm-hmm. all over the place. So I mean, that's a great one. Um, before MJ. Because I'm going to premise that MJ is now my all-time favorite biomusical, like, of all time. I'm not sure if any show is going to top what MJ did for me. But before MJ was beautiful, I thought that was really well done. I thought it was one of the more um, entertaining, uh, out-of-the-box biomusicals. It's the biomusical of Carol King. It's actually born and raised in Brooklyn. Hey. Um, but yeah, like, that... <laughs> That was that was one that did it for me. I like Jersey Boys too, but I it wasn't innovative enough for me. Like I don't just want the story. Like I need mm-hmm. all the ingredients for the yeah. full recipe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You need the magic. <laughs> I need the magic. Yeah, the and, flavor. <laughs> the flavor. And while beautiful didn't give me all of that, it did give me something different. But now I have MJ and I can ruminate and live with this feeling for the rest of my days. What a time to be alive for me to see this show. I can't wait for you to see it, Martine, and for you to come by my office and for us to have a podcast and really dive into it. So we're ready. We're ready for you to see it. I'm prepping you up. Anyways, my wallet may not be ready, but my soul is ready. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in this week to another episode of What's Up Broadway. You can learn more about What's Up Broadway at bpn.fm slash WB and connect with us on Twitter at Network. 
have a tip or some breaking news, send us a message at bpn.fm slash hot tip and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating and tune in next week for another episode of What's Up Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.